Mirmani Press presents Death Donor by Matt Ward. More information on the author at mattwardwrites.com to purchase the complete audio adventure or to download the entire techno-thriller free with a free trial of Audible, visit deathdonor.com. Mike. Starbucks. For all the hassle my colleagues went to to find fancy restaurants for low-key meetings, the Seattle-based coffee chain was my favorite. Their coffee was some of the best, the atmosphere perfect, wooden tables, lab-grown leather seating, artsy coffee maps on the walls, plus actual human baristas. Hadn't seen that lately. She was late again. Typical, not that I could talk. Her latest project, designer babies from some biotech firm. The problem, they were illegal since the first accords which every nation, except North Korea and Thailand, signed in 2041. Megan Larson appeared with a heaping cup and serpentine slither. Senator Schmidt. I rose and offered a hand. Imagine if we could eliminate disease, eliminate deformity, cure autism. Do you have children, Senator? Of course she knew about Jamie. Probably what brand I wiped with as well. Ms. Larson, what you're proposing is illegal. I'm not proposing anything, sir. She changed her tack to deference, as if I was that easy. Atlanta's a leading tech hub, but we could lose prominence if another less principled country, say China or Korea, led on this. Miss Larson, the answer is still no. I'm not religious, but some things man shouldn't mess with. What if it could save your wife? What? I stiffened. It's ex-wife. What do you mean? You don't know? Her lips twitched. Never consulted a genetic counselor? A conspiratorial twinkle in her eyes froze me. What are you talking about? Based on her most recent results, she said, she has stage 3 bronchial cancer. Proper screening and embryo enhancement could have prevented that. What? Was this a joke? At last, she said, we'd like you to consider. Was she serious? A sales pitch? Crushing my half-empty cup, I smashed it into the recycler as I headed for the door. Wallace hurried after me. Cancer. Stage three cancer. Jesus. Why didn't Ava tell me? We'd been married for years. Ambling through Midtown, memories flashed. That Tijuana beach, passionate love after spicy carnitas. Our wedding, her beautiful belly and snow-white gown. Jamie two months later. So much, both good and bad. I called her. Wallace gave me a respectful distance. Ava, when were you going to tell me? Cancer? A sharp breath. Mike, how did you... Long story. It hit me. Rome. That's why you're taking Jamie to Rome. Why didn't you tell me? It hadn't been that bad between us, had it? I wanted to go before... Before... She swallowed hard. I couldn't bear seeing her like this. Where are you? I'll come over. I said, we can talk about this. Find a way. Wait, does Jamie know? 
a sniffle. Don't blame her, Mike. I asked her not to tell you. Doctor said it doesn't look good. Six months. Holy shit, six months? Let me come over. Let me help. No, Michael, I'm sorry. I, I can't. Not now. She clicked off. Wow, six months. Six months? This wasn't happening. I hadn't been this shell-shocked since Regina missed her period in high school. Worst three days of my life until now. I couldn't stand Ava. But deep down, I loved her, too. And she was the mother of my child. Jeez, Jamie. How was she handling this? She needed me. I called Jamie, and she answered on the third ring. Hey, Jame, I heard about Mom. I wanted to tell you, I... It's okay, I know. Where are you? How are you holding up? Tears came from both sides of the call. She gave me the address, oh, duh, school, and I ordered a priority skylift before the call ended. She needed me, and it was only money. This time, I wouldn't throw up. A Waymo VTOL dropped from the sky, blue butterfly doors opening as Wallace and I strode over. It scanned my smart chip as, wincing, I slid into the empty ship. At least with Ava's prodding, VTOL rides had gotten easier, but my stomach still writhed like a raunchy porno as we lifted off. The old Fourth Ward slums looked worse than last time. Ramshackle tents and huts, hundreds of homeless, several cars burning. Impromptu police lines along Boulevard and Ralph McGill held back the worst of it. Talk about a shitty existence. How many were ex-immortals victim to life without challenge? No wonder Pharma made an SSRI fortune. Twenty minutes later, Decatur Private High. The weather was beautiful, warm and cloudy, none of the usual Atlanta humidity. We passed a group of kids and a frazzled teacher with a portable microscope heading for the massive brick building, flag flying high. Two armed guards in bulletproof graphenite vests and riot helmets greeted us from behind heavy glass. A full body scan to gain entrance? What happened to being a kid? I beelined for the principal's office, a much less imposing place since I'd escaped decades earlier, yet my hand quivered at the door. Too many memories. A simple AI speaker system greeted us in the empty waiting room. I explained everything. I see, the algorithm said after a pause to appear more human, notifying her teacher. Plush chairs lined the far corner, awards covering the walls. Fifteen plaques, nine straight top school in Georgia placards, and a handful of cliché motivation posters. What should I say? What could I say? Cancer. Six months. The door opened. Jame. She rushed over, throwing her arms around me, face red and makeup smeared. Dad. We stood in the center of the room, holding each other for what felt like eternity. I'd missed her. Want to talk about it? I asked as we left the building. Wallace hustled ahead to secure the area, and at the grassy knoll overlooking the campus, we sat wordlessly. Jamie and I always had that bond, not needing to say anything. And we didn't, for
for at least five minutes. It took her that long. What'll happen? She asked, lip quivering. She was close to tears. I don't know, but everything will be okay. It had to. We have each other. I hated myself for lying. She snuggled into my chest like she had since she could walk, twisting her shoulder into the best kind of cuddle. I fought back tears. My little girl. We sat there until a shaggy, half-clothed brown man limped towards the entrance. Shouting ensued. A meal! A slice of bread! The man begged. Anything! I paid taxes for years! The guard's voices were muffled as the man hammered the windows. The door opened. Bang! The man collapsed, and the door closed again. Jamie sighed. Why didn't he go to a clinic? He could have at least helped someone. A cold, heartless world. Ready to order, sir? The gaudy waiter gestured at the expansive menu with a manicured wave. The Lord and Leaf was Ethan Anderson's place, one of Atlanta's most exclusive restaurants. I couldn't pronounce half the entrees. White linen tables topped with flickering pewter candles, dull chandeliers, and parliamentary red velvet seats. Talk about excess. I didn't come often. Senator Warren did, though, Speaker of the House. She must really want something, all the way to Atlanta. Or was she visiting the eccentric billionaire? Imagine those two in the sack. Duck. Yeah, I'd have the roast duck. Senator Warren sipped 2005 Petrus with the practiced swirl as she eyed me. Make up your mind, Mike? A nod. Mike, eh? Were we on a first-name basis? Duck a l'orange. And you? Braised lamb shoulder with a caprice salad. The chef, Luigi, he's to die for. Quite the expression these days. It was busy for a Thursday, royally clad elites in all manner of deep conversation, from furtive glances to fundraising, adultery, and worse. She leaned closer. I'm putting together a coalition to rezone cities. There's too much violence and inequality. It's not sustainable, even with donor stipends. The cities need to be safe for major contributors to society. Talk about not saying much. We designate verified-only areas, she said. Anyone with sufficient employment and income scores would have access, while riffraff would be screened at checkpoints. Was she serious? That's what you'll run on, segregating cities? The Jim Crow president. She was old enough. Is that even legal? Technically, no, she said, but that's why we're having this meeting, isn't it? I've had three attempts on my life in two years. Wonder why. It's like people don't remember who's fighting for them day in and day out, she continued. I stifled a laugh. She was so full of shit. You know what this will look like, I asked. It could trigger rebellion. What choice do we have? You saw the camps. It's worse in New York, and don't mention California. But that doesn't mean we can't do anything. What about the actual problem? Have you changed your mind on UBI, universal basic income? 
She chuckled. <laughs> You're funny, Mike. This is America. People would rather starve than be socialist. Damn it, anyways, she was right. Freaking Cold War capitalism. Ethan Anderson and a group of rich execs entered as Senator Warren tried to steal the check. I tapped the tabletop scanner. No way I was going to owe her anything. We'll split it, I insisted when the waiter voice bot asked how we'd like to pay. Ethan's party sat at the exclusive center booth as the head chef, Luigi, waddled over with his finest hors d'oeuvres, of which he'd sampled one too many. As we left, an athlete of abroad with a bent nose and a pale shock leapt from the table and hurried into the hallway, tapping her ear to answer a call. What happened, Darren? Where's Malia? Sam. My heart hammered. The VTOL couldn't get here soon enough. After prying information from Darren and giving Ethan a hurried explanation, I sprinted from the restaurant to the Leafs' spacious patio. It had been years since I'd booked a flight, and our budget would take a hit. Screw it. Where was Malia? I tried calling twice. No answer. I'd lived through wars, but couldn't think straight. My baby. My little girl. Hurtling our steps, I ripped open the door and the window shattered. Darren! He appeared a second later, red-faced and teary. I... I was late. She's not at the Agarwals. I threw up my hands. Slow down! What happened? He told me. Forty minutes ago, he'd gotten a call from Sonia, Ali's mother. When was Malia coming over? 6.40, Darren! 6.40! She should have been there hours ago! I unholstered my trusty gun, clenching it for reassurance. You haven't heard from her? He shook his head. I'm going to look for her. I'm coming with you, he protested. But we both knew the tough guy face was an act. No, go to Sonia's, find out what happened. I'll run there, check side streets, anywhere she could have gone. Call Kelly and Mika's parents, too, see if they heard anything. We'll find her. We have to. I gave him a hug and raced to the main road. Malia, where are you? The Agarwals lived three blocks away. What could have happened? I called five more times. Did she go to the park? The playground at the end of the street was deserted. The swings she'd grown up in, the bumpy slide we'd ridden half a million times. Not a soul in sight. I dashed on, slamming neighbors' doors and yelling, Malia! 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 People came to the windows and stared without interest, just another panicked mom. Fuck em. I ran, calling school, her teachers, anyone. No one had a clue. She'd been at school, handed in her genomics. A buzz, a notification. It was an email from Google. A geo-targeted ad courtesy of Amazon Adventures. Screw theme parks. I was two seconds from deleting it when it hit me. Amazon tracked my location. Duh! Yes! Opening our family account, I pulled Malia's data. This would work. It had to. It was all there. Maps, charts, everything. By day, time, and year. I chose the last 24 hours. Our Lower West Side neighborhood appeared, red dots marking each location she'd connected to. I fast-forwarded. 
She walked home, past the abandoned Baptist and Methodist churches and the soccer field. Everything looked normal. It was only five blocks. What happened? She got home and entered our house. Was someone there? Ten minutes in the kitchen, the bathroom. After, she headed for Ali's. At the end of the street, she paused. What was going on? If only there was video. She turned onto Sims and entered an alleyway. No, Malia, what was she doing? Nothing happened. Her dot hovered. I swiped forward. Nothing. It disappeared after twenty minutes. I scrolled further. Nada. She must have passed out. My legs pumped, heart hammering. I'd found her. It was going to be all right. A message to Darren. I found her. It rang as I hit Sims. Sam, Jesus, tell me you have her. Darren's voice broke. Into the dark alleyway. Mommy's here, Malia. Everything's going to be... No. How was that possible? The alley was empty. A drip of crimson. A horrific iron smell. My skin shuddered. Heart stopped. It was blood. Where was Malia? I was slumped by a dumpster when the cops came. Darren appeared, yelling and shouldering past uniformed officers. None of the cops said anything. Where is she? His eyes caught mine, and he threw his arms around me. Sam, you said you found her. You told me. My mouth wouldn't work. I couldn't say anything. My hands were shaking. The officer in charge, a tall, brown-haired man with a faint beard and hard eyes, walked up and stuck out his hand. Detective Harrelson, tell me what happened. I did, with Darren's help. Twice, sobs racked me, but I broke the fear. The officer's eyes never left mine, but there was little sympathy. When I finished, he said, It's not the first. Another officer appeared and whispered in his ear. Harrelson gestured deeper into the alley, and I followed, dragging Darren forward in stunned silence. The cops bent and pointed to something, a fine powder. Was your daughter into drugs or anything? The detective asked. What? No, of course not. What weren't they telling me? Harrelson moved, and a flickering streetlight illuminated a clump of brown hair. It couldn't be. It looked like Malia's. I was going to be sick. The detective produced gloves, grabbed the tuft, and slid it into an evidence bag. We can run basic tests here, but we'll have to get this to headquarters to analyze further. Should take a couple hours. This wasn't happening. Where was she? I should have been there. Guilt torched icy veins, vision blurring. My God. Was that the last time I ever saw my daughter? Ethan. I remembered my first trip to London, Europe for that matter, like it was yesterday. I was 15 at the time and had pestered mom for weeks. Even as a kid, I'd been a salesman and known the buttons to push. My dogged tenacity had won out. It didn't hurt she'd felt guilty about Bobby, and London had been my way of coping, according to the three shrinks who'd tried to tame me. They'd been so full of themselves. 
Shaking my head, I returned to the Lord and Leaf, listening as Atlanta's A-list discussed the latest happenings and talked shop. Each was impressive in their own right. Penny Wood, the billionaire media mogul, Rachel Ryans, today's Da Vinci and Michelangelo rolled into one, and Damien Pierre, creator of Work.com, where half the labor force that were gig workers earned their keep with long, benefitless hours for thousands of faceless corporations in need of low-cost labor. Despite their prowess, none came close to touching DDI's scale. Ethan, what do you think about the rumors? asked the mousy-nosed artist. Her intense eyes were narrowed, hair wild, in contrast to the orange scarf around her pale neck. She must be talking about designer babies. It'll never happen, not in our lifetimes at least, I said with a fake frankness, revealing nothing of our Skunk Works projects. And since you're all DDI members, that will be a long time indeed. Talk turned to dessert, a personal favorite of mine. When holograms materialized, announcing the night's lineup, there were gasps. The sugar and sweetener-free SSF, French vanilla sundaes with ground hazelnuts and aquaponic berries, had three takers, but by far the most popular dish, the one I'd designed myself, was the triple chocolate SSF molten lava cake lathered in fudge and peanut butter, drawing admirers from hundreds of miles. The topsy blonde waitress was juggling our towering tray when I got a call. What now? I activated my interface. Shit, it was Mom. I'd need to take this. I walked away from the towering ensemble, weaving between congressmen, actresses, and models, and slipped into the back hall. Hey, Mom. Oh, E, I'm glad I got you. What is it? I asked. Everything okay? Everything's great, really great. Other than my hip, it's been bothering me, but oh well. Really? When was your last treatment? Two years? Hmm, no, it was, let's see, before our New Zealand trip, maybe, so three years. New Zealand? Mom, that was almost five. Have you not come in since? I shook my head. Good thing she couldn't see. Five years? Has it been that long? She said, if you say so. She'd always been scatterbrained. Okay, Mom, look, I'm going to set up a treatment next week. Tell me a time. Why she chose to live in the middle of nowhere was beyond me. It had taken her ten years to let me buy her a halfway decent place and arrange protection. That had been a shit show. And she insisted on doing her own online shopping every Wednesday, even though her groceries never deviated. Old habits. How about this? I said. I'll pick you up for your treatment and take you to the leaf once it's over. We'll get grilled peanut butter sandwiches. I gave Luigi your recipe. It had been ages since she'd made those for Bobby and I, every Tuesday and Saturday night. Seemed like another life. She agreed after a little cajoling, as always. Why was she so stubborn about L.E.? A message appeared as the call ended. It was Jones. I'm sorry, boss. I won't be in tomorrow. Something's happened to Malia. Oh, no. Was everything okay? Jones had never missed a day. I called her. You have been listening to Death Donor by Matt Ward. For more information, to purchase the complete audio adventure, or to download the entire techno-thriller free with a free trial of Audible, visit deathdonor.com. <laughs>